0: James chapter number two here this evening. James chapter two. I want to talk this evening and uh, we're going to look at several verses here at the end of James. I want to talk to you about salvation and works, salvation and, and works here this evening. In verse number 14, James chapter two, verse number 14, the Bible says, what doth it profit my brethren? Though a man say he hath faith, and hath not works. Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked, and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needed to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with the works, and by works was faith made perfect? The scripture was fulfilled which saith Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when when she had received the messenger and hath sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Galatians chapter 2, I'm going to give you several, several passages of Scripture if you're taking notes. If you'll just write these passages down and, and uh, I'm going to talk to you this evening. I want to look at Paul and James. There's, there are many that will come to this passage of Scripture. And um, they'll begin to speak about being saved through works, doing good deeds. If you, were to, if you were to ask somebody this question, if you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? Many a times what someone might tell you is this, I hope, I hope I get to heaven. Right? Have you ever talked to someone and that was their answer? I hope. And so if you dig even deeper, you say, well, what do you mean you hope? And they'll say something like, well, I'm trying to be a good person. I'm trying to do good things. And I I hope that my good outweighs my bad. And and, and, um, so when I stand before God, I hope he sees that I did good things. James is not contradicting here he's not helping us to understand something different than Paul has taught and I want to give you several passages of Scripture if you were to if you were to uh, say someone maybe someone that's religious do you know a lot of the major world religions they believe that you have to do good works there are there are some right now even even thinking by harming other people by strapping a bomb on themselves and in doing these things in the name of their god that that would appease their god and their god would allow them to spend eternity in paradise if if they do those types of things others believe other these are major religions they may believe this that you simply need to be a good person just just try to be good at the end of the day at the end of your life if you've done more good than bad you can get to heaven james is not saying here he agrees if you do good works you're saved i want you to write this down and and um, if you want to turn here to galatians chapter number 2 verse 16 paul is writing to the galatian church and these are some verses if you were to deal with someone that is looking at salvation thinking it's through good works these are some passages of Scripture that you could lead someone to for them to understand that salvation is faith in faith alone in Jesus Christ if there was something that you could do to merit salvation then Jesus Christ would not have needed to come and die his payment on the cross was sufficient There's nothing more you can do to merit salvation. Galatians 2.16, the Bible says this, knowing that a man is not justified by works, Paul writing to the, the Galatian church, knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And what Paul is saying is you can try to obey the law. You could try to keep the law. It doesn't matter how much you try to keep the law or obey the law. It's not enough. You can't keep it. If you've, if you've sinned, you've broken all of the law. You can't keep the law. You can't be good enough to merit salvation. He says the only way for a person to be justified is by faith in Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you this evening the interpretation of faith when when we understand the definition of faith that it is as it's used by Paul and James in its context of the writings we we can find there is a perfect agreement that same subject is being discussed not from a different viewpoint as James is talking about faith and Paul is talking about faith they're not in conflict with each other They are in agreement with each other. And we're going to see that here this evening. Paul tells us in Romans 3.28, if you were to write this verse down, Romans 3.28, he tells us that a man is not saved by works or the deeds of the law. He says this, therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Romans 3.28. And so these two verses if you were to use Romans 3:28 and Galatians 2:16 those are two verses that you could go to to show and help someone understand that salvation is faith in Jesus Christ There must be shedding of blood In good works there's no shedding of blood We as Bible believers, we believe the payment for our sin was the fact that Jesus Christ, he shed his blood. His blood was shed. That is sufficient for remission of our sin. There had to be a blood sacrifice. Good works is not acceptable to God because there was no blood sacrifice that was made. Jesus Christ, he shed his blood. And when God accepted that blood payment, it was sufficient to be the payment for our sin. Paul and James, when Paul is speaking in Romans and in Galatians, they're not standing face to face fighting each other. In, in reality, what they're doing is they're actually standing back to back, supporting and, 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 and uh, helping each other's argument here. What Paul is saying and what James is saying. In those days, there were those that saying that you had to perform the works of the Mosaic Law in order to be saved. Paul was writing against that. There were some that were saying that you had to be circumcised, you had to follow the law, you had to, to, to follow the Mosaic law in order to be saved. And Paul answers that by saying that works of the law won't save you, and that only faith in Christ will save you. And Paul is very clear. Paul is very clear through Romans. We're studying that on Sunday mornings. Paul is very, very clear on salvation through faith alone in Jesus Christ. And Paul says that saving grace, that genuine, real faith. True salvation transforms a person's life. True faith True faith transforms a person. The moment you're saved, true faith, by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that transforms a person's life. Something happens. It's not just a, a, a decision and then they just continue to live life the way they live life previously. The moment that someone accepts Christ as their Savior, the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence and there is the Spirit of God living inside of that person philippians 3 7 if you write this verse down philippians 3.7. the bible says this but what things were gained to me those i counted loss for christ this dramatic t- transformation took place in the life of paul when he came to know christ as a savior Paul, everything about him, the things he says that were once gained to me, I could, they're, they're, they're of no use to me anymore. What, I, what was important to me at one time no longer is important to me. The moment I got saved, the moment he trusted Christ, he was transformed. His whole purpose of life, his whole thinking process, everything he did was changed when he trusted Christ. The same would be true for every one of us. The moment we've trusted Christ as our Savior, a dramatic transformation takes place in our life. Paul is talking about the keeping of the law, that keeping the law will not save you. James is talking about now that you are saved, what is the evidence in your life? James is speaking to the Christian. If you would look here in, in um, verse number two, let's go back and just, I want to remind you in verse number two of James chapter one, the Bible says, My brethren, he's talking to the believer. In v- chapter number two, verse number one, James starts to chapter number two with this, my brethren, he's talking to the believer. James is not talking to a lost person telling them how to be saved. James is talking to the believer that has already trusted Christ as his Savior, that has already professed Christ, that life has been transformed because of the gospel. He's speaking to the believer and what he says is this, that now that you're saved, your faith has saved you, now that you're saved, something's different about your life. James 2.14, what doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and hath not works? Can faith save him? He's asking this question. James here is not talking about the works of the law. He simply says that faith that saves will produce works of faith in our life. Paul is speaking about the law, keeping the law. James, the works that he's talking about here is not in keeping of the law. James is saying this, now that you're saved, it ought to produce something in your life. Saved people ought to be showing their salvation by the works that they do. A person that is born again, a person that has trusted Christ by faith ought to be showing their faith by works. James is saying if you're saved, if you by faith have trusted Christ as your Savior and you're saved and you're not doing anything with it, what good is it? Yes, we've got eternal life and and if, if, if there was nothing more after we got saved that God desired for us to do here on this earth, he would take us home the moment we got saved. He would simply, all right, you're saved, you're born again, you're a child of God, now I'm going to take you home. But he left us here on earth. He didn't leave us here on this earth to just continue the life that we had before we got saved. Everything about us ought to be different. We're here on earth to act out our faith in Christ through good works. Someone ought to know we're a Christian by the way we live our life. I was sitting getting a bite to eat here before church this evening and made a visit and I had a few moments and I didn't have enough time to get home so I just stopped and got a quick bite to eat and I was sitting there with my Bible and, and uh, looking at my notes and this fellow walked up to me and he said you're, you're, a, you're a pastor or a Sunday school teacher which one? And uh, I said I, I, I pastor a church and I told him what church and I said you're a pastor or a Sunday school teacher which one? And I was just joking. I didn't know if he was either. And he said, I'm a Sunday school teacher. He said, I've been teaching Sunday school for two weeks. He was so excited. I said, are you teaching adults? He said, no, fifth grade boys. I had 12 of them in my class last week. And he was sitting over and I didn't see him, but he had told me he was sitting and he was reviewing his Sunday school notes for teaching this coming Sunday. He said that the person in charge of his Sunday school approached him and said, hey, if you'll teach Sunday school, I just want you to kind of fill in part-time a little bit. And he said, "I, I did it for one week and I went back after my first week and said, can I do this every week? He said the most exciting part of his week now is preparing for that fifth grade boy's Sunday school class. We talked just a few moments, and he told me about him getting saved and told me his testimony after he got saved. And now that he's saved, he said he loves to do things for Christ. That's the way a saved person ought to behave. He was so excited to walk up to a stranger and just start telling me his whole life story. And uh, he had no idea. Just because I had a Bible open, he thought he could just tell me everything about himself. But I was encouraged just by his enthusiasm. He got saved. He got involved. He began to teach. And now he just can't wait to learn God's Word and then teach it to fifth grade boys. That's a transformed life. That's the way every single child of God. There ought to be something different. Before you were saved, you were heading a direction eternally. But even your thoughts upon this earth, your desires, what you were trying to obtain, what you were trying to do, everything should be different once a person's saved. They're no laws looking at their life and how they can get things they ought to be now looking at how can I serve Christ every talent every gift everything you have God has blessed you with it not so that you can gain but so that you can give for the cause of Christ That's what James is talking about. That's what James is identifying here. When he's talking to the believer, he says, my brethren, in chapter 1. He says, my brethren, in chapter 2. He's talking to the believer and he's trying to get the believer to understand now that you're saved, don't just say, I'm saved and that's all there is to it. I have no other desire. I have nothing else to do. Now that you're saved, your faith ought to produce something in your life. Both Paul and James they address a phony or a counterfeit faith. Look with me in 1 first, first Corinthians 15, if you would. First Corinthians 15. Paul is addressing the church at Corinth. He says, moreover, in verse number one, moreover, brethren... I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received and wherein ye stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Second Corinthians, just go over a few pages, Second Corinthians chapter number 13. Verse number five. 2 Corinthians 13.5, the Bible says, Examine yourselves. Whether you be in the faith, prove yourselves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates? And Paul is talking about your faith. He's talking about those. Don't examine your faith. I read one time that Spurgeon, uh, um, uh, great preacher in England of yesteryear he would have a crowd of 10,000 or so in his church and and uh, he'd be preaching and and Spurgeon said this that there was a large percent of his church and I don't remember what I read now how many percentage it was but it was a large percentage of his church he believed that he preached to every single week and they weren't even saved it was all up here it was a head knowledge It wasn't here. One of the things that as a dad, as as parents, my wife and I, we've always been very careful and cautious with. When I was a a youth pastor, we were just young, just getting in the ministry, and it seemed like a lot of our teenagers were dealing with sin or dealing with some things, and I, I would think to myself, how do they grow up? in Christianity, and then so many of them fall to the things of the flesh or into the things of this world, why would that be the case? I mean, they've had church their entire life. And that was really something that troubled me and I thought about, and we discussed that. Then we had a kindergarten graduation a few months later, and there was, I don't know, 15 or so kindergarten students on the stage there and all getting their diploma and the teacher got up I'll never forget this it's like they I got the answer to my question the teacher got up and she congratulated all the parents and was so happy and she said I'm so excited this year the thing I'm most excited about is this every single one of these five-year-olds trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior this year and everyone got excited and cheered and clapped and boy we were excited and I thought to myself this. Was that all true faith? Or some of that peer pressure? If we're not careful, we could convince every single one in that class to get saved, pray, and now they've got it up here They don't have it down here. I was in Mexico and uh which which one was that? Was it Kaylee? I was in Mexico and my wife called me and we were I'll never forget I was in the van and we were praying and working with Kaylee. We knew we knew that Kaylee was um, under conviction and, and just asking a lot of questions. But we knew her as parents, we were, we were praying on this, we were talking to this, we were talking about salvation. And it was a Wednesday evening, and we were in the van driving. My wife called me, and I'll never forget, she was upset. And she said, um, Kaylee's teacher at Wednesday night church program brought her to me and was so excited, she said, Kaylee got saved tonight. And I thought to myself, that's a good thing. And but I knew where Kaylee was. Kaylee grew up in our home. Kaylee had every single answer that she needed to have in order to get saved. She could answer everything. We were praying and just really talking with her. And my wife just said to that lady that brought Kaylee up, Good. <laughs> She brought Kaylee over and said, Kaylee, what happened tonight? And Kaylee said, I don't know. Somebody else got saved and my teacher asked me if I wanted to pray and, and, and I, just, I just said whatever they told me to say. And we knew that night that Kaylee really wasn't saved. She just repeated something that another six or so year old repeated. And we as parents have just been very careful and cautious because we don't want our children just to have all of the information up here and miss it here. My children may not have had a life of a person that lived an entire life of sin and got saved in their 50s, but you realize this, the same faith it took for that person to get saved is the same faith it takes for the child to get saved. There's not two different ways to get saved. It's both understanding what Jesus did, both by faith trusting in what He did, both realizing that they're a sinner, both realizing that they can't save themselves, both repenting of their sin and trusting in Jesus Christ. And Paul is addressing in 1 Corinthians and in the 2 Corinthians there, he says examine yourself. Make sure you're of the faith. Make sure it wasn't just something that was said something here be sure it's faith be sure you've trusted christ be sure it's real james in verse number 14 of of, uh, of chapter 2 says what did the prophet my brother though a man say he hath faith and have not works can he save uh, can 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 faith save him he's challenging us to to realize this be sure you're saved if you're saved then something is different your life is changed. The Holy Spirit of God takes up residence in your life. You are, your life is transformed. Your life is changed. And now that you're saved, you think different. You talk different. You, you, your, your ideas are different. Your, your life goals are different. And your faith ought to produce the fact that now you want to live doing things that shows Christ's love to others. Both men are saying, real faith in christ produces something true faith in christ produces something in someone's life if you're truly saved it produces something faith it's not shallow faith is not phony some some Someone who puts their faith in Christ and is born again doesn't just go living as they did before. A transformation takes place and now that a person is saved, they ought to do things. That's what James is discussing what both are arguing is faith changes you paul is arguing that james is arguing that both are saying that your faith in christ it changes you your faith in christ it transforms you your faith in christ it produces an action in your life james is helping us to understand through these verses that one that puts their faith in christ it makes them go to action it It accomplishes something. It produces an action. Faith in Christ produces a desire to live for Christ. Get that this evening. Faith in Christ, it produces a desire in your life to live for Christ. Romans 3.20. Turn there if you would please real quick. I want to make sure I get these verses in. Romans 3.20. Paul says this, therefore, by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Paul is saying this the law is a mirror. It reveals you're a sinner, but it cannot save you. The law shows you you need to be saved, but the law doesn't save you, it just shows you that you're a sinner. James also says you can't depend on works of the law. James 2.10, for uh, whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he's guilty of all. Both of them are agreeing. The law is not what saves you. You can't just keep the law. Number one is you can't keep the law. You could keep all the laws and offend in one and you're guilty of every single one. A preacher once said this, man cannot be saved by perfect obedience for he cannot render it. He cannot be saved by an imperfect obedience because God will not accept it. The only solution to this dilemma is redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Man can't be saved by keeping the law because he can't. That can't be an excuse because God can't accept sin. So the only solution is that the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. In both Paul and James they emphasize that. In Galatians 2, Paul makes it clear, men are not saved by the law, but he says in Galatians 6.4, and let us not be weary in well-doing. And so Paul is saying you can't, be, you can't be saved, and now that we're saved, let us not be weary in well-doing. You know, he's saying don't get tired. Don't, don't, don't run out of steam. Don't get discouraged in doing good works now that you're saved. So both of them, both of them are in agreement. They're saying this, now that we're saved, Paul says, don't get weary. You've got to do good works. Faith in Jesus Christ produces the believer to do good things, not to get saved. We're not saved by doing good works, but we do good works because we are saved. And Paul is saying this, don't get weary in doing good. Don't get tired of doing good. You know, I'm thinking and praying about this coming Saturday and the Saturdays, the months to come. You know, church, I want to challenge us not to get weary in doing good. Don't let things in your life keep you from sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you live, and that's what James is saying, what does it profit? You live your entire uh, life and you're successful in the business world, but you've never led a soul to Christ. What, What good was being successful in the business world? If you live your life and you're successful as parents but you never lead someone to Christ, it's not that being successful as a parent is good or being a good parent is bad, but, but nothing, nothing ought to keep us from sharing the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Now that we're saved, we ought to desire to share Christ. We ought to have patience with people. We ought to have compassion for people. We ought to show the love of Christ to someone. I was... I was Monday evening, I got back from West Virginia and really got changed real quick and there was a Gideon Fellowship, a pastor's appreciation um, and we've got several, several Gideons and they were there that evening and, and so I rushed there and got there for dinner and I saw a, I saw a, a video, Brother Corbett, you saw the same video. This, this man, was it Tanzania? Tanzania, he was in Tanzania and they were giving out um, uh, scripture. Scripture. And he gave some statistics about death in Tanzania. I believe he said this, the, the average age is 48. 48. How many of you are over 48? You're dead if you're in Tanzania. <laughs> How many of you are in your 40s? You've got a couple more years to live if you're in Tanzania. If you're not 40 yet, stop having birthdays. <laughs> 48 is the life expectancy in Tanzania. And the reason why the majority of them die, the adults die, is from AIDS and HIV. And that wasn't the most unsettling part, although that, that just, I just couldn't believe that. Something that he said, it caused me, I just couldn't believe it. He said this, 100,000 children die every year from, what was it? Do You remember? Malaria. Mosquito bite. 100,000 children die. Now, I've been on a lot of missions trips. You know what my doctor gives me before I go on any missions trip that has malaria in the country? And my wife makes sure she she calls and says, did you take this pill? Malaria medicine. This thought, it just consumed me a hundred thousand children die every year from malaria when there is medication that could keep them from dying. And I sat there, and this is the truth, I started getting a little upset with the drug companies because I thought to myself, they're making billions and billions of dollars, why don't they just give every kid in Tanzania malaria medicine? And as I'm sitting there, and I'm watching this video, I'm listening to him speak, literally I'm getting upset, I'm thinking, that is senseless, 100,000 children are dying when there's a cure? I mean, I could see if it was some like plague that there was no cure and they're working on a cure, but 100,000 children die in this country every year when there is an abundance of this medication and all we have to do is give them this medication and they wouldn't die. Who in their right mind could keep that medication? How could anybody have that cure? How could a drug company have that knowing that 100,000 children die every year and they just willingly don't give it? And I mean, I was getting upset. (laughs) How many of you are upset right now thinking about that? And as I was getting upset, it was like the Lord just poked my heart and said, the same thing is true when it comes to salvation. Here am I, I'm getting upset because the drug manufacturers won't give some kids pills to save them. And it's not the pill they need, it's the gospel they need. Because those kids are going out in eternity without Jesus Christ. Yeah, they need the medication, but more than the medication, they need the gospel. And Christians are content never sharing the gospel with someone that's lost. Think about that. Boy, I was convicted. I thought, look how self-righteous I am right now. Mad at somebody that they want to profit and they won't give a drug that's needed. And here I am. How many people did I walk past today that needed the gospel and I wasn't willing to give it? And I think that's what James is talking about in chapter number 2. How can we that are saved by faith do nothing with our salvation? How can we that are saved... How can anything in life become more important than sharing the good news of the Gospel of Jesus Christ with someone that's going to die without Jesus and spend eternity in hell? That ought to motivate us to do good works. That ought to motivate us to share the Gospel. Why wouldn't we share the Gospel knowing that somebody dies without Jesus, they spend eternity in hell? Why wouldn't we want to share the Gospel? My thought is this, what what good excuse could a drug company give for not giving children malaria medication that they could afford to give? And that's my thing, why couldn't they do that? What, What good excuse could they have? Christian, what good excuse do we have for not sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone that needs it? We're not taking what we know and taking what we've been blessed with and taking the Gospel of Jesus Christ and going out. And that's what James says, so what you tell somebody that comes to you and says, I'm hungry, and you say to them, well, you know, peace to you. Go out and be filled. If you don't give them something to fill them. What good are we if we say we love the lost if we don't give the lost the Gospel? What good would be a church if a church isn't truly a lighthouse in its community to share the gospel with those that are lost in its community? This coming Saturday, our goal, you know, we come to church, we want to get revived, we want to, we, want to, we want to get energized so that what we can go out and give the Gospel to a world that needs it this coming weekend. I pray that as we go out and we give somebody a hamburger or give somebody some lunch or, or, or do some lawn work or do something, the purpose isn't just to do something but to show the love of Christ and give an opportunity to share Jesus Christ as we do good works. And let us not be weary, Paul says, and let us not be weary in well-doing. There's a lot of doing that goes with the believing. A believer ought to be doing. What ought to describe a believer's life is what they're doing with the gospel. What would, what would happen if we stood this th- tonight and said, all right, let's, let's just go through and, and let's just rejoice in who we shared the Gospel with this week. Let's just go through as believers. Let's just go through and, and let's get excited and praise the Lord for, for the opportunities that we took to share the Gospel. How many of you us would stand and how many of us would say this, I hope they just skip right by me. I hope, I hope that doesn't come up but part of believing a large part of believing is doing we're saved to do something our faith in Christ produces an action in our life when James is speaking here of works he's speaking of the work of faith Paul says in Galatians 5:6, let me just turn there and I'll read it here real quick I should have it marked. Galatians 5.6, Paul says this, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything not, not, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. You know what that means there, love? Love works. How many of you, um, how many of you guys that are, that are married, how many of you have that list... Um, it's it's stuff that your wife wants you to do. What's it called? Honey do list. Honey, how many of you guys have a honey do list? How many of you guys that honey do list never seems to go away? It's just kind of always there. I have a honey do list, and it seems like it never goes away. When you when you get some done, it seems like it, it like the paper just keeps just keeps going you know love works my wife has a list and the reality is this i love my wife therefore i want to do that list if my wife had a list and i came home and that list you know was hanging there and and I walk by it and I go sit on the couch and that was my nightly routine. Every single night I come home, I sit on the couch, and and that's what I love you. You know what eventually she's gonna say? If you love me, show me. Love works. So Paul is saying here, love love works in, in in but faith which worketh by love. Me doing the honeydew list shows my wife what? I love her. Me doing what she desires for me to do shows her that I love her. If my next-door neighbor came over and said to me, hey, I've got this honeydew list, I would look at her in the face and I'd say, go give it to your husband. I don't love you. I don't love you. I'm not going to do your list. That's for the person that loves you to do your list. And if he doesn't love you, then..." hire it out you know but come over to me but my wife has a desire for me to do something and by me doing it it shows her i love her by not doing it it causes her to wonder do you care i mean if you cared you would do something if I walk past that list and I just sat down and I told her every single night, I love you, babe. You know what she'd eventually say? Stop saying it and show me. Show me you love me. You know what James and Paul in agreement here? If we love Christ, we do what He desires for us to do. There's a desire. Christ says this, go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. You know what Christ's desire for us? Is to share the gospel. To take every opportunity for every single human being to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's His honeydew list. That's His desires for us. And when, love, when we love Him, we work. What do we do? We fulfill what He's asked us to do. And if we don't, question would be do you love him because love transforms faith in christ transforms our life what we're doing now our thoughts our desires are different now that we're saved we want to do what christ desires for us to do and every time we walk away from an opportunity to share Christ, every time we walk away from an opportunity to tell someone else that Jesus loves them, that Jesus died for them, that Jesus shed His blood so they, they, they can have remission for their sin, every time we neglect to do that, we neglect to show Christ. We love Him. When James is speaking here of works, he's speaking of the works of faith. Paul, in Galatians 5-6, Both of these men taught that faith must be a working faith. Our faith ought to be a working faith. Because I have faith in Jesus Christ, it ought to produce works, action. I show that by telling others about Jesus Christ. By showing the love of Christ. Get this this evening. Faith alone saves. But the faith that saves is not alone. Faith alone saves. You don't work your way to get saved. By faith, I'm saved. Faith alone saves, but faith that saves is not alone. Saving faith is alive. Professing faith is dead. Romans 5.8. Let me uh, turn there real quick. Romans, Romans five. Or 8, 5, I'm sorry, Romans 8, 5 says this For they that are of the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are of the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. You know what he's saying? You can't have it both ways. If you're saved, you mind the things of the Spirit. If you're not saved, you mind the things of the flesh. But you can't have it both ways. Write down Romans 8, 7, uh, 7, 8, 9 and read that later. But you would find this, a child of God can't have it his own way. Once we're saved, our desires ought to be to fulfill what Christ uh, has commanded us to do. Now that a person's saved and now that a person is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, he can produce fruit. And if he doesn't, something's drastically wrong. If I was having marriage problems and I came to this group, I said, help me in my marriage. I just don't understand. Something's wrong and I need your help. My wife asked me to do this, this, and this and all good things and I just don't want to. I just... I just want to come over here and sit and I don't want any responsibilities. I I don't want to do anything that she asked. I, I don't want to show her I love her. I just want to come over here. I just wish she'd leave me alone and not bother me with anything. Every one of you in your right mind would say this, that's what's wrong. If you love her, you should seek To spend time with her. You should seek to listen to her. You should seek to make her happy. And you can't do that by living your own life, doing your own thing, having your own desires. That doesn't work. In Christian, it's the same thing for those of us that say we're a child of God. We ought to say, Lord, what can I do for you? Lord, what can I do for you? What is your will for my life? Not, Lord, thank you for salvation and now I think I'm just going to live my life here and do my thing. But thank you for saving me. I'll see you in heaven. The Christian ought to live a life in such a way where thank you for saving me. Now, Lord, how can I please you by serving you? That's works. James is talking about the evidence of our faith is shown by how we work or how we fulfill what Christ has commanded us to do.